Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Take TV podcast, the first of the 2023 kind. It's time to start getting back into it, boys. We've got the team picker open as of this week uh, on Friday. And I know, George, well, probably you too. You've both been changing your team a hundred times. Um, I picked one. I've sort of just settled and I'll, I'll something I'll look back in, in a little bit because uh, there's still a lot to play uh, to play out. But uh, we're going to obviously discuss that, some players, some general thoughts on what we uh you know, the outlook might be for, for 2023. Obviously, welcome back. Um, I know uh, these two boys are very keen, as is myself, to get back into the, the AFL side of things. We've been passing time, as we usually do, these periods with NFL. Uh, I mean, the World Cup, I got up this morning, watched that, haven't had much sleep. Um, but, you know, this is this is obviously what we, we're here for. And, um, yeah, can't, can't wait to... Uh, to get underway. So, George, how many uh, how many renditions of your team have you had so far, mate? Have you stopped looking at it? Oh, the uh, the screen time on the phone's gone way up. I think so. Yeah, changed it again today, actually, but only a few. Well, that's the problem when you read big footy team boards all the time. You find new information. This player's playing here. This player's had an amazing. I don't know he took ten intercept marks at training. You got to chuck him in. <laughs> So that's where we're at at the moment, but uh, still very similar, I think, to the video that I did the other day. So uh, very much enjoying it, and yeah, it's just good to have Supercoach back. Uh, definitely speeding up the process now. Yeah, I know this is your definite favorite time of the year. Once the actual season starts, it's a bit more stressful, but the preseason is where it's where you come truly into fold. And JD, you you too, mate. You were always scouring out there for some information, um, and you did a big thread on on Twitter. Uh, Yesterday, I think, and that got a lot of bit of traction and bit of thoughts on 2023 and what you see. So I guess we'll talk about that in a bit as well. So, I mean, first, maybe even just go firstly what what you sort of see um, or what the landscape you've you've sort of noticed for next year is already. Uh, thank you, and a very very nice welcome back. Um, unlike George, actually, I'm probably only on like version one B. I mean, I'm, the team I made in the video first up, I've maybe swapped like two players, and that's it. It's basically stayed the same. I feel like there's not a whole lot of value doing lots of iterations at the moment. Uh, like maybe like playing around with structures, but not saving anything. So I, I honestly haven't been um, fiddling with it too much. Um, you're right. Like I did write that thread and I'm actually surprised by how much traction it got. I thought um, this side of Christmas, not too many people looking at it outside of the real hardcore. So to see that many kind of engage and read was really cool. And hopefully that's really good signs for the year ahead in terms of uh, like people are going to be involved in the game and, you know, engaged in Twitter and Discord and a whole, whole bunch of different things. I think like Discord activity has been pretty busy this for this time of year as well, which is nice to see as well. Lots of other people kind of getting in the trenches and doing some of that early preseason work. It's not um, all primarily on George for a change. <laughs> um, yeah, no, 100%. And um I mean, we've got to be a little bit careful, I don't know, with, with how Twitter's going, but uh, we did get a DM from <laughs> Chiso <be> today <laughs> about uh, big Elon Musk banning, you know, linking anything, but we'll see. Uh, I'm sure it will be fine. Um, I think it'll be turbulent, but I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Just hang tight for a bit. Well, at least we've always got the YouTube following there. We can always, uh, you know, get, get content out and uh, get to the people, but... I guess let's address it straight away, boys. So what our 2023 plans are for, for content, for, you know, all of us uh, as a podcast, that sort of thing. So we've had a bit of discussion over the last uh, few months, probably even during last season, really, um, if we ever wanted to do 
sort of extras like obviously we've always got the youtube the discord's free and that's always you know that's very active actually at the moment even in december um but we just uh discussed obviously doing some additional content and um we we are going to uh, commit to that like we have it's just obviously in the works and um you know extra videos george loves doing these articles so stuff like that um some rankings as well i really um like the idea of that you know rankings obviously our individual ones and then sort of uh, as a consensus um but basically we're going to do keep doing everything we already do so discord's free obviously you, uh, podcast all our own videos but we're going to do some extra stuff so um i mean you kick us off george what what sort of stuff can people look forward to uh, from us next year and then we'll want some feedback as well because we're probably not going to launch anything till sort of january um mid-january late jan so yeah what what can uh, people expect well we're doing a web so that's very exciting so yeah uh, trying to get the hang of that at the moment i think you're kind of the brains behind that which has been uh, very good um so that's very exciting so yeah just a lot of extra stuff a bit more access to us as well in the discord so I think it's very important we make it affordable as well. We're not going to charge something stupid. Um, I think at the stage, roughly maybe $25 for a, a preseason package. And we'll we'll put so much work into that. So I love writing my articles. I don't like I, I write on, on forums all the time, just putting <laughs> my thoughts on Supercoach. So um, and fantasy as well. So I can you know, a bit more freedom to do that sort of stuff. But yeah, still do heaps of content as well. Uh, the free stuff on YouTube. Um, so yeah, I think it's very exciting, and um, I think yeah, a lot more will be revealed in the new year. Yep. Anything to add to that, JD? Like, um, yeah. What 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 do you think? Um, oh, I mean, I just I so I mean, for people that don't know, I'm like not a founding member or anything like that. Like, um, No kind of was way back in the day. I was someone that just stumbled across. Uh, I think probably some of George's posts on Big Footy actually probably back in the day, and was looking more to get into super coach and have a good year and be a bit more active. And I came across the discord with like the principles around being competitive and being the best league and they were like the best, you know, the best super coaches basically. And I think come a really long way. If you look at um, like leagues, we took out basically all the leagues um, like different iterations from six to 18 men outside of maybe the 18. I think we finished second, but we, we did all that. We've got lots of different coaches in the top 100 Hall of Fame. And I think like a big credit to why is like those principles around being competitive and trying to be the best. Um, but then also having this big, open, inclusive community where anyone can join and be evolved. And I think just by virtue of that, the ones that are the best and most interested in Supercoach, the ones that you see being most active. Um, but like there's also like drawbacks from building a community so large and that is you do have people that are looking for more like personalized advice and help and all that type of stuff and we just can't get to everyone um and to george's point there's a lot of stuff that he does behind the scenes that doesn't see the light of day at the moment so i think it's a like a good opportunity if you do want to support the discord and what's been built and um you know get access to i guess some of george's inner workings as well as some of the other stuff that we write up there's lots of like small numbers and facts and little like basically tweets that we come up with that we never actually press send on they just research for us but i think that's the type of stuff that i'd get most value out of just those little bite-sized bits and pieces as well as some of that longer form content but as jaws mentioned like and i think it was you and actually um like we haven't landed on what this is going to look like and we'd only want to do it if it makes sense and is valuable um and so we'll be looking for feedback and we'll be i think iterating on it quite quickly as we figure out what works and what doesn't work 
And I like just lastly for me as well, like the whole reason why I started, you know, jumping on the podcast, doing YouTube all that stuff was like, this is just meant to be a bit of fun and it's yep. still meant to be fun. So I think at some point if, for me, if this shifts from like um, fun and like doing a fun activity with other people to it feeling like work, I'm yeah. probably going to figure out a way to change as well. Cause it's, you know, I want, I want Supercoach to be fun. That's what it's all about for me. So I'm really excited to see what it can bring and having a website seems pretty surreal. Um, definitely not what I imagined when I joined all those years ago, but I'm yeah, pretty excited um, for this next phase and we'll see what happens and hopefully it can helps to continue to contribute to like building this really awesome, um, uh, like prominent community that does like really good on Supercoach each year. Yep. Yep. Summed it up quite well. So I think over the next couple of weeks or even, you know, on the, obviously the comments of this video in the discord, we might even have like a, a channel or something, just ideas on what you want to see from us. So I think the old idea behind it, you said it before JD is more personalized content. And one George said it too. It's, as he said, I think there's over 2000 people in the discord now. And like, that's keep, that's going to keep growing. And it is, like the the general chat during the you know the month or two leading up to round one, I just you just can't see you just have no time to read all what's going on in there. And I mean, you brought in the the more serious channel last year just to try and you know keep it uh, more sort of forum like. But there's just a lot of people in there, and it is tough. So um, if anyone wanted some further access, that would be obviously the main reason for it. And it is meant to be fun. That's that's still the number one. Um, so yeah, anything more, boys? Before we park that until the, probably the new year. I've just got one more thing. I think another thing is just enhancing the community experience. So getting more people involved with each other. So whether that's, you know, more voice chats or um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I'll go back to you on that, but just, oh yeah, the auction. So at, at the end of the uh, preseason, we'll do a big draft auction where we draft people into leagues. So that's really fun. So we'll like bid on a certain person in the discord and, um, and just go from there and see who can come up with the best team. And yeah, there'll be group chats for leagues. I know we had some last year. I think two of them, I think we had two or three that did pretty well. They were active throughout the whole year. So more people interacting with each other in smaller groups, stuff like that. So, you know, people are on Twitter with um with group chats. So that, you know, people find that really useful. And that's, I think, you know, if you're playing this game, you know, I used to play 10 years ago. I used to play Dream Team. I used to play by myself because all my mates, they 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 like soccer. They don't like footy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just played by myself. I still had fun, but um, it would have been better if I, you know, could talk to people. You, they could have told me that, you know, don't pick a key forward, stuff <laughs> like that. So um, yeah, just enhancing the community experience is very important. So that's going to be another big aspect of that. But there's always Discord. That's it's going to be completely free as well. But um, yeah, that's as I said, invitations. That's all. Yeah, everything will stay the same. Podcasts, obviously, everything's going to yeah. be free. We'll do our own videos, evolve with our own content, of course, but. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. It's not meant to take away from anything that's been done to this point. It's just meant to be that little bit of added extra for those that are looking for it. Cool. All right, boys, let's move on then to the actual team picker. So, um, yeah, I think midday Friday it was and released. And obviously the prices, a few things we want to look at, some key players. I know JD's got his uh, list there of all his watch list of, of players and, and whatnot and, probably with a couple of prices, maybe crossing off a few already. 
Um, but yeah, I guess the first question is, I'll go to you, JD. What did you find either easy or difficult in when you sort of built that first team? I, I know you streamed it. So what as you were scrolling through, what what did you, um, what did you <laughs> notice? <laughs> I, I found a couple of things um, pretty challenging. <laughs> Firstly, it was like um, my last day at work for the year before I had leave uh, yeah. and I was sick. So that was like the weirdest lunch break ever. And I failed to set up my microphone properly. So for anyone that goes and watches that live stream back, I think the first 20 20 minutes basically me mumbling into a microphone it sounds terrible i probably like i probably should have deleted it but it's just so like so sick that i couldn't make another one um in terms of like the actual team itself which i think is where your question related um i found it easy to make a team this year for the most part i think this looks the nicest especially in the forward line which is where we tend to complain about each year in terms of both premiums and cheaper options i liked it um, the defense, I, there's lots of options I liked. Uh, I know there's like some varied thoughts on it, but outside of one or two players, I don't see too many obvious traps from the people that, uh, from the picks people are gravitating towards. And then the only thing that really struck me as actually tough was the rocks, uh, which, you know, it might resolve itself during the preseason as we've seen in the past, but, um, uh, yeah, like that was the one where, where it just, you know, didn't look obvious to me gone are the days of literally gone and grundy um so yeah that that definitely <laughs> is in the... football on the same team yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you you could uh it's do you know what? i was thinking this is like random aside but every year people would complain that they had the same buy and i'm like hey this year they got the same buy um but anyway <laughs> whatever uh so yeah yeah i think i thought the rucks was the hardest um line compared to other years and then like just i guess broadly the other thing which i tweeted about was it seemed like the genuine mid price range you know that like, kind of like 250 to 450 ish range which is usually a bit of a dead zone anyway it can be a bit of a trap magnet that felt the lightest it's been in the last few years like the least interesting options kind of stood out for, out for me it doesn't help you know things like cunnington who we thought might be interesting ended up being priced 450 or whatever it was just ridiculous um but yeah like just not not many great mid options. What, what about you? I know how did you feel as you went through and made your first team? I think starting from the back line, I was like, my god, there's five six hundred k defenders, and I just don't think you ever see that. Probably you might see it again. I mean, the, the key factor is just that they've obviously added kickouts to it, like what a few years ago, two or three years ago, to to count and almost had five guys average one ten, which is pretty crazy. But um. Other than that, yeah, I actually don't think it was was too hard either. Obviously, we can't really set in structures without knowing the rookies at this stage. Um, you know, the old adage, but, you know, I, I plugged in a couple of premium defenders, a few primo mids. Um, the other thing is probably Laird and Clary being so pricey as well, up at around 700. Like, a decision's going to have to be made there with, with Oliver probably, more so than Laird. But, yeah, I think you nailed it. Like, the rucks is just going to be the spot where we're going to be looking at all preseason on who to start because I don't even think one's a lock right now, let alone two. So um, that's the point uh, or the place on the field where um, we're going to need some, going to need some proper, um, some proper research um, over the preseason. And lastly in the forward line, obviously we saw that a very popular, George made the, 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 the post your team thread in the uh, discord. I think every team had Dunkley, Rosie and Tarano, uh, you know, about 95% of them. So, um, that's very popular early is probably the other thing I noticed. So yeah, uh, I think fairly simple for now, but of course, obviously all the problems will pop up, um, all the questions when, when it gets further into preseason. 
Um, George, anything you found difficult or easy making your team? Yeah, I think um, I think it's difficult this year, much more so than last year. But we'll see what mid prices um, reveal themselves over the next two or three months. I think defense, honestly, I think it's a bit of a hellhole to be honest, because we're paying an extraordinary amount for a bunch of players. Hopefully, we don't have too many of them, and the uh, the rookies will sort themselves out. But like, I'm not really seeing mid prices at all in this range, and I suppose it's been like that, you know. I almost picked Heath Chapman last year. That's how dire it was. But maybe we get a few rookies, not too sure. We got Connor McKenna, which is great. Um, I do like Nick Dacos. But other than that, anyone between 200 and 500, I'm not really sold on at all. So it's... What about Bose? <laughs> oh, boy. Bring back Bose. Those were the and, and glory days. By the way, um, I, if it's playing up for the recording like it is for me, um, George's internet is as patchy as his hairline at the moment. Oh. So apologies. <laughs> He's trying to work through both of those the oh, best he can. But yeah, did a couple of times, George. Jeez, get it sorted, mate, for next year. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak less then. I'll just touch on, yeah, defense I'm finding difficult. Midfield, I'm still torn on um, Mitchell and McRae. I'm not really sure what I'm doing, but I do love Bont. A few mid prices as well uh, will hopefully sort themselves out. And then the rucks are difficult. I think English I've pretty much committed to for now. And then the forward <laughs> line, yeah, Dunkley, Rosie, Toronto. Is it still no good? No, I'm laughing at uh, um, committing to English after I think someone posted the other day. He said never again at the end of the last season. Oh, I had enough. <laughs> oh, because it was, I think what made it worse is it went Heaney to English and then Heaney went 100, 100, 100, 100, and then English went. Like yeah, 60, dead, you, dead, 60, and then he, anyway. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, waiting for the mid prices. I think there are two. I've got Darcy Cameron at the moment, but I'm not. Cameron and Marshall are like, I feel like at any any given round, their role could be not good and we could get a tank score out of them. So I'm a bit iffy on them, but we'll see how we go. But yeah, I had a blast playing with the team picker. Yep, I know you do, mate. I know you do. Uh, what about? Um, I mean, you already sort of nailed this question. Comparing twenty, you know, this year to or next year rather to how Supercoach went this year. Is it just as simple as there's no standout mid-price options now? But I mean, you can't really say like they didn't pop up till preseason anyway for last year as well. So is that the main difference you're noticing, George? Well, I think at this point, they're a bit more speculative. Like over the years, we had like Cogs, we had uh, Zeeble, like you put put them straight in. There's no one really yeah. in that 250 range or that you know, 300. Okay, maybe Hopper. Hopper goes straight in. But other than that, no one's really like, okay, maybe Nat Fife. I'm not sold on. He's got his issues. Taron Thomas, he just needs the role and good fitness, and I think he'll be fine. Um, one thing I'm very excited about, about to speak on is the Hawthorne midfield. Um, <laughs> Connor McDonald, Cooper Stevens, whoever gets the inside bid role, um, I think will do, will score really well. Just because if they get the role, they'll score, they look good, and they're good contested players as well. But there's so many other players um, that can go through there. Like they got Warpool, Moore should get time in there. I'm just not too sure what, what that's going to look like. So whoever wins the CBA race at Hawthorne and it's cheap, I think I'll pick. We just need to wait and see. Yeah, you are speaking a lot about that Hawthorne midfield. Uh, all right, let's well, just go around. Sam Mitchell, yeah. no, who develops mids better oh, than Sam no, Mitchell? He's going to go into the <laughs> He's going again. 
He's going to he start. Developed, Warple won the best and fairest because of Mitchell, right? Then they had uh, when he was you at West give Coast. Any credit? <laughs> I'm not too sure. He's, I don't know what's happened since, but um, no, Yo and Shuey and Redden as well, unbelievable in that premiership of those premiership days. And then he developed um, Newcomb straight out of the VFL player. What was he's he playing? Backyard as yeah. league. Yeah. And now he's their best best midfielder. So, look, I know he's not the line coach. He's a senior coach, but I think he'll do a really – he'll put a lot of time into those midfielders because he's basically said, Titch, Amira, I mean, I have no use for you anymore. I've got these kids. Also, Josh Ward, he's a bit too expensive. But um, I, I honestly – I'm pretty confident that we'll end up starting one of these Hawks boys, but we'll see which one. Yeah, they're just they're already a little bit pricey now. Like, well, But there's going to be so many CBAs up for grabs. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, fair. Right, yeah, it's going to be a lot of rotation. What, like 50 of Titches, 60 of Amiras? Is that – those are the two, right? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Okay. You don't see it? <laughs> I mean, Dylan Moore's going to take all of them, so. No, Moore specifically said he's a forward and a mid. So I think he'll get a lot of time, but he will split his time. Mm. Okay. There was um, right. one game. There's one game last year where uh, Connor McDonald had more than twenty percent CBAs. Do you want to know what Supercoach score he had? What? Fifty-two. Twenty percent CBAs. That's not. That's not enough. And by the way, he dominated those CBAs. I remember that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big C-Mac fan. I'm just um like ripping into George because each year there's a pick that he uh tunnel vision so hard and like you cannot convince him not to pick it once he's locked on and Lipinski he's already this. started with with yeah so Lipinski Tom well, we got Atkins, you no, no, no. Tom Atkins no. Tom Phillips no no no, the, like, Tom Phillips, no 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 Tom Phillips I got laid on when he got CBAs in the in the Marsh game Atkins yes I kind of tunneled a bit on that didn't even get a, a halfback that wasn't getting kick in so kind of stuff that up um Lipinski yeah, turned out to be a really though. good player but still yeah. didn't Translate to super coach scoring at all, but yeah, he's still made 100 for you or something. Atkins. Anyway, let's yeah. move on. I'm going to ask you boys what is, I mean, obviously, it's just a hypothetical, but what who's the one player you don't see moving from your squad of 30 over the next four months? Oh, JD, it's, it's got to be Josh Dunkley. Uh, I like, I find it very hard to see him <laughs> moving out of my forward line. Yeah. Uh, he's as long as he's healthy, he feels like a shoe in to be a top three forward. Yes, you're paying up for him, but the reality is there's upside at his price. He's getting get more CBAs than what he had at the Dogs. Um, I don't think there's any threat of him getting tagged. Not that there really was the Dogs either, but um, yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he should be running rough shot in there with Neil as a one-two punch. So um, Dunkley, I can't see myself moving away from at all. Yep. We know that's an answer for George, so maybe give us someone else, George. <laughs> I think for me, Marcus Fontenpelli. So yeah, um, related somewhat. 58 percent CBAs last year. That's going up, and he's fully fit, rearing to go. He does get a few niggles, so but he plays for him. So you could see that as a positive and a negative because that's quite a you know priced. That's the reason why he's he averaged 116 instead of 120 plus last year. So I think he can do better than 116. Probably one of the reasons why he didn't do well in the coaches' votes of Brownlow. You know, Bebo was saying, you know, he lost a lot of his power 
last year kind of just um that's why he didn't have the impact that he had so he should have that back now so a uh, big fan of bont and uh yeah, be fun. He, he's probably one of the most fun people to own. Once he takes a few big marks and kicks a, a goal from 55, it's uh, and champion data will give him more points as well. So, <laughs> I don't, I'll just say one other thing that was interesting about Bont that I was looking at this year, this is a little fun little fact, is one thing that he's been criticized for in the past is consistency. You know, quite a high variance with these up and down games. And he definitely does have a very high ceiling. So you see like 180s and that what come out of him. He only had three games below uh, 100 last year. And those scores were 98, 96, and 88. So he's actually raised his floor a lot compared to prior years, which was one of the things I was making me more comfortable with starting him. Because generally higher variance players, the ones you can miss and pick up when they have a couple of down games. Uh, but that may not be as true as as much true with Bont um, going forward, which is kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I remember he like had he started the year off with just like hundreds, like low hundreds, just yep. never went below it. But like no, no big games, something like that. I remember, but it was like one hundred five, um, one hundred five, one hundred eight, one thirty six, one hundred two. I think were the first five. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe that's true. And then if he gets more CBAs, it's uh, obviously expected, and that's going to be even higher. So, yep, fully fit. It's going to be probably hard to pass him up. Um, for me, I'm going to go, look, besides like someone like a Jacob Hopper who, you know, barring no injuries and full preseason, he's going to be in everyone's team. I'll say I'll say Dawson. It's just way too fun to own. Love that I started him last year and he just turned out to be one of the, the better picks at sort of a somewhat value. Um, uh, and I just think what's going to change at Adelaide, Jordan, you know, I don't think there's anything that I'm missing, but it's just going to be the same. I don't know. He does get thrown around a bit from time to time, which can frustrate, but he can score anywhere anyway. Like it doesn't really matter as long as he's not parked, you know, in a full pocket, which will really, you know, really the case. Um, so yeah, anything to add on Dawson George or is he locked away with you as well? I wonder if we use him more up the ground, but he's shown he can score wherever anyway. So um, I wouldn't say he's locked for me, but I reckon like 80% I'll pick him. Yeah. Just to yeah, get attention, I, I guess, towards the back of the year too, which is annoying. All right, he was the first defender I picked this year as well. I wouldn't say he's locked though. I don't see any of the like I I like this is what I was saying was kind of like tough with the defenders. I like Sicily, I like Stewart, I like Doherty, I like Dawson. I could see myself realistically picking any of them, depending on how the preseason plays out. Which one makes none that, of them locked. Because <laughs> you yeah, like yeah, who? which makes it yeah, exactly. It's not like there's yeah. one send out. One thing I was interested in was he did score about, I think, 10 points a game better in wins than losses. Crows had eight wins last year, I think it was. Can you see them improving from that? Probably similar. Would you say, George, I would would have thought? He's lagging out, JD. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I reckon, like, what do you think? I reckon about similar area. Like, I, can't I mean, see I could big drop off, but I can't see much of an improvement. Maybe a I small one. see them improving. I think, I so I mean the a lot of their developments in their young keys, right? I mean you've got Texan up front who's going to fall off a cliff at some point, but uh, Fogarty finally up. looked like he was ready to take the next step last year, and um, uh, Thrillers like shown it at parts, and I could definitely see him taking another step forward. You've got um, Rankin who comes in, and it's not like it's a high draft pick. You know, that's someone that should add from day one. Rochelle should be healthy, who showed a lot when he was fit and then was just not there for the back half of the year. So, like, I could realistically see their forward line improve a lot this year. Um, And then I think it probably just comes down to the health of their defense a little bit and who comes on there because they have 
been problems down back with that. I mean, there's also a little bit of talk that their midfield's a bit one pace, but I don't necessarily see it going backwards. It's still a lot of young guys that are on the up. So I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I'm like fairly optimistic that Crows can take another step forward this year, but... Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I guess your point is like it's not going to be uh, probably any less than that, you would hope. So maybe a couple I, I, more I mean, I can't and... see them going below six or something. I don't know what their line yeah. would be for wins for the year, but I'm guessing yeah. whatever it is, I'd probably take the overs just, you know. Yep. Yep. No, I do I do love him as a pick. Um was very, very good uh, last season. Um, all right. I guess there's not a hell of a lot more we, we want to talk about today. Maybe I'll go back to you, JD, with the next and probably last question. It's just the mid prices, like like we did say sort of earlier on. Um, it's not uh, or no one really stands out as they have in the past this early on. So just give us a couple sort of on your watch list that you you, you need to obviously see roll and probably best 22 for some of them as well in the preseason. Um, give us a couple. Yeah, it kind of depends on how deep you want to go because uh, I think that, you know, there's some really speculative ones you could add in here. But uh, if I was to try and pick, like, let's go three from each line. I think defense yeah. would be uh, Yo, Bose, yeah. and Hunter Clark would probably be the three. Hunter Clark needs to come back as a mid-roll and have a full preseason. I think he's already in full training so far, which is a good sign. Bose comes down to is he best 22 in the Cats and then what does that role look like? I mean, either halfback or mid I'd be thrilled with if you got either of those and was locked in from best 22 from from round one. And then Yo is very much around his fitness. Um, he could also be one that plays either halfback or mid and I'd be comfortable taking him in either role. He's uh, shown that he can score well in both. It just comes down to uh, injury and whether or not he can get through a full preseason. I think he's still a little bit limited, not doing full contact drills at the moment. Uh, any of those three kind of interest you? Is anyone else in defense that I might have missed? I think for me, probably Bose of the of the bunch. Uh, yo, I just look again. Can't say anything in December, but he just really hasn't got his body going for probably three years now. Um, which look, if he does, you'll have to you have to look at it for sure because we know what he can score. Um, but I think Bo's a little bit cheaper, and if he does nail a spot in the 22, uh, I think he can be a pretty decent stop, sort of stopgap um, that we're all sort of looking for or may have to look for. So probably him. Um, George, what's sort of the defender mid-pricer that you like the most at this stage? I hate all of them, to be honest. I think Yo, <laughs> Yo's done his carp already, and then you have Bose is iffy. Um, Bose also doesn't have the greatest injury history. Um, but we know Geelong can probably get the best out of him. So I guess it's Bose at the moment. I've got Goda as well. He's not really a mid-pricer, but he's almost no, he's 200k. Not. Yeah, I do like um, Goda. Ed Richards is not the worst option. I think it's a bit too speculative. But from what I've read, Caleb Daniel is training in the midfield. I don't know if that's going to hold or not, but that would open up a few more kick-in opportunities for Dale and Richards. Yep. Um, apparently, Richards having a good preseason so far, but um, it's a bit early. So no one really stands out at the moment. Um, Did you mention another another Bulldog, JD, Liam Jones, who's 228? Yeah, I didn't mention him. Uh, definitely one that could be considered... Uh, purely because he's probably pretty likely to be best 22. He plays more of an intercepting role. I mean, I think his last full season, he was lead interceptor in the league type thing. Um, but it didn't really translate to super coach scoring. Um, maybe because he's 
no, he's not exactly a like a user out of defense, not someone you'd ever like hand off to. He's also, I think, turning 32 this year, been out of the league for 18 months. So um, a little bit hard to get behind that. His best ever super coach year, I want to say something like a 65. So it's not like you're going to get amazing value, but you may get some pretty good job security, which if other rookies fall through, people can value quite highly at that point in the year. So look, it's not impossible. Um, if we're going to talk like cheaper ones in this um, range, uh, George, there's a Crow who I'm thinking of. Uh, he's 155K. He's coming off a PCL that he did last year. I don't know. He's one of like the McSomething or others. McPherson, I think you're referring to. He's that might be him. For us. Yeah, a few years ago, he was actually a decent rookie for us. But we have, um, he's, I think he's moved off the senior list to the rookie. Oh, okay. List, he's a not rookie. The, not the greatest sign. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who's best twenty-two. I don't, he wasn't last year, even when he was fit. So he just needs a really strong preseason. Um, I spoke to Dion Spills about this pick the other day, actually, and yeah, I'm not optimistic at all about it. If he plays round one, um, and has a good preseason, I think you could probably field him. Uh, but it's one to wait and see. But I wouldn't keep your hopes up on that one. There's one other mid pricer that's uh, taboo. <laughs> Did I spot the same one? <laughs> who, who, who? You go first. Not Chase Jones, is it? No, no, not Chase. Not Chase. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Um, uh, somewhat serious. Uh, Zach Williams. Is he, is he someone that people will be interested in if he has a full preseason? What is he? I'm not even going to look at his four twenty-five. Four twenty-five. Yeah. No. Damn. Probably too much. Yeah, I think if it was 350s, he'd be very interesting, but uh, probably a little bit too much at that price point. Okay. Um, yep. Midfielders we... besides Hopper, I guess. Yep. Oh, besides Hopper, I was going to lock it in. That was number one. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> look, there's not a ton that I find overly interesting in this range. I mean, towards the top end, you might have people that want to look at a Dugowie and see if he bounces back, but I, I'm not really going to discuss that. I think uh, we saw last year that he's not going to, um, perform well in Supercoach, even if he performs well in game. Um, Dom Sheed is like a little bit interesting at 332k, or like I think he's roughly around there. So basically the same price as Hopper. It just seems that Hopper is a better alternative. So I think it's going to make it pretty difficult for people to run two of those and go Sheed over Hopper. Um, uh, uh, you've got. Setterfield at 350k, which is more expensive than both of those, but people are talking about him being this year's Brody. I don't see that being the case. Um, one that I think is a little bit interesting is like Jai Cully, um, who arrived in the mid-season draft for West Coast last year, played four games, had one that was a complete nightmare. So he's only priced at 276k. I think like so that's someone that realistically could get into the 400k. He's definitely not a keeper, but you could make enough money at that price um trying to think is anyone else oh um warple people have talked about a little bit um which goes along with george's theme of like he was one of mitchell's boys at one point in time there are um uh mid cbas opening up with uh titch going and that seemed to be who affected warple the most so could you see a bounce back there uh and then the other midfield uh, that I think is like similarly interesting is GWS. So with Hopper and Taranto going, you've got a lot of CBAs open up there. Uh, I think you've got some really obvious ones in Green, Kelly, Cogs who could get more CBAs. But of the youth coming through, Finn Callahan, as you say, I know, is uh, one that is very interesting, very highly touted as a junior. 
hasn't been given a ton of chance at senior level, only priced 244K. So really that's just an extra 40K on someone like Ashcroft. Um, and that's, that's someone else that could potentially be interesting. But to be honest, a lot of these people would have to do a lot in the preseason for me to get interested in them. Uh, and realistically, Hopper's the only one that would be gracing any of my sides at the moment. Yep. Have you got any more, George, that, that don't play for Hawthorne? Yes, I do. Oh. So I'm just looking oh. through the list and running the numbers. Do you guys remember two years ago, Lucky Ash had a good season at half Yes, so yes. Before yep. the buy, his average was 85 in 2021. He's priced at 330k. Maybe not enough. He has to get back to defence. And then he was sub twice, and then his scoring tanked like no other after that. So I guess it's interesting. There's technically upside in him if he gets a halfback role and all goes well. Um, Jeremy Sharp, 224K. I don't know what happened to Sharp. I think he, he was an outstanding rookie two years ago. Made a lot of money, but... I don't, I'm not quite sure what's happened here, but 220k is pretty cheap, and he can definitely do better than the 40 average that is next to his name. Um, honestly, I didn't monitor, to monitor him too much last year, but he was really good in 2021 on a wing. And I think that's it. Yeah, I don't yeah. see much else. Yeah, that's it from me, I think. But no one really puts their hand up and screams, pick me here. I, mean, I think the interesting thing with the Lockie Ash pick as well is, and we haven't touched on it much so far, but we do have the round six DPP changes. And maybe that's because it's still new to us. we got to factor that into our planning. But someone like that, that you know, even though you're selecting as a midfield mid-pricer, you'd actually move into a different line at round six. Like they're, they're more viable than what they would have been in the past in terms of picks. Uh, should we talk some ruck mid-prices? <sighs> think we should um where do you want to start maybe not dc maybe start it probably lloyd oh, D- <laughs> yeah D- i mean dc is a very interesting pick but yeah and he's I think a forward too yeah yep yeah. uh but yeah lloyd meek is one that i'm very keen on there's been a lot of debate on this as to where he sits in the hawks uh pecking order in terms of rucks i fully believe they brought him in and he has the skills to be the number one ruck um, I think Hawks play two rucks, though, um, is the likely setup, which unfortunately isn't great for Supercoach scoring, depending on how they want to do that. If someone's, you know, going to be playing 65% ruck time and then, you know, they're swapping with Reeves or someone who's playing forward for 35%. But we'll just say, I mean, Reeves ultimately was the number one ruck for the Hawks last year. So Meek does still have to beat him out in preseason and it may go the other way. You know, they're still at the age where both of them are developing and they could be developing at different rates and maybe Reeves goes past. But... Uh, yeah, Meek, if he becomes the number one option at the Hawks, I've saw enough at Freo when Darcy wasn't playing, even when Darcy was playing, to know that he gonna say, is a very good footballer. As an avid Shrek watcher, every time he was in the ruck, I was like, damn, this guy's actually good. Like, yeah, he needs yeah. to be another club. So, yeah, and yeah. obviously he's averaged too, too well here, 87. So he's probably a little bit more expensive than we would have liked. I mean, if he's 350s, I, oh, I'm smashing yeah. him in my every, in every lineup. So, yeah, I, he's he's actually priced well in the sense that it's not an obvious pick. Yeah. It, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, Lloyd Meek is definitely like the top of that mid-pricer group that, that I like in the rucks. Um, there's probably two others that I think are worth talking about. And uh, like, there's lots that you could point to as maybes, but I don't really love them. So second would be Sam Draper, who's definitely picked up 
in a few teams so far. And look, we see it kind of every year. Is the, is this the Draper breakout year? Uh, I mean, betting against it's been the right move every year so far. I don't see why this year would necessarily change unless you believe that Essendon is going to pretty dramatically improve under Scott and Draper um, with it. We've seen Draper's like highlights are up there with the with the best rucks at the moment, but he just to consistency isn't there in and out of games. Uh, there's been talk about, you know, modeling his game on Max and captain kind of aspirations in the same way, but he's got to show the consistency before he's up for either of those. So, yeah, I think that's a, a probably a miss for me so far as much as I love Draper. And then the other one that would be a little bit interesting is um, Tristan Cherry, who a lot of us had last year. He's 390K um, after like a pretty poor back end of the year and Goldie taking back over some of the uh, ruck duties and roles. I mean, I think you're going to see that um, transition continue to happen. So, uh, you know, if that does continue and Goldie plays more forward, Cherry gets more ruck, there's potentially value at that point. And if you see something like Goldie break down, then Cherry at that, that price, I think is actually really interesting. I'm assuming that he's fully fit in training. I actually haven't read a whole bunch of kangaroo, um, preseason reports yet. So there may be a reason why he hasn't been talked about more, but yeah, he's the only other one in that price range I kind of like so far. Uh, George, any that JD may have missed or that you like uh, otherwise? No. No garbage. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a tough position. Well, I think Meek is worth watching, but I just think that Reeves will take a fair share of the ruck duties. Yep. Um, whether it makes better or not um, doesn't necessarily mean that he'll actually get more ruck time. So we'll see. And Meek's a capable forward too. So yep. we'll keep an eye on that, I guess. But uh, for now, I think it's yeah. I'm still iffy on DC and Marshall too. So yeah. I think English has got the clearest path to role security and upside, yeah. despite his durability issues. And it's we'll keep an eye on the rest in preseason. I mean, and we've seen Lob doesn't take away from you know like a Darcy or something like that when it comes to scoring. So I think that's pretty favourable for English as well. But it does give him a better chop out so he can manage his game time a little bit better. Part of Lob too, I think he just didn't want to play as much ruck as he as he sort of was. He wants to just be a forward. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about that position a hell of a lot over the next few months uh, from top to bottom. So forwards, I guess this is always the fun part. It's probably where the most sort of pop up and become possibilities. Uh, obviously, our favourite, Will Brody, that we, we didn't get last year. <laughs> JD is, uh, you know, one of the more recent ones, but, you know, Zebel, as we mentioned, or Jaws did previously, there's just always a, a plethora of options, obviously mostly due to, you know, role change and they're um, listed as forward. So, yeah, who, who we got here, JD, from from probably, yeah, 400 and below. Can I interest you in Cam Rayner? <laughs> uh, no, like I was scrolling through the forwards list and there's, not a ton that I love here. I think the obvious one for us to start with is Fife at 313k. Um, uh, if you've been on Twitter or following the footy news, I'm sure you've seen photos of his pythons looking every year pretty shredded. Him and um, Took Miller might be clubhouse leaders for best preseason photos so far. Uh, and look, We've seen Fife at his best. Jill Brownlow medalist for a reason. Can well and truly go 100 plus. And I think even if he's playing predominantly forward with just 30, 40% CBAs, he can still return value at 313k, whatever it is. 
but you need to see a full preseason. You need to see him ready for round one and still needs to fit your structure. And if all those things happen, then maybe you're getting on the five train. But I could see a lot of people getting scared off, especially if there's any niggles during the preseason. Um, yep. Is he going and, to get enough mid-time? Because they've got Brayshaw, Sarong, Brody in there. They're probably well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he well. needs it. He's a good enough forward that I think he still goes 85-90 predominantly as a forward that then rotates in. So do you think, well, what, if you had to estimate his CBAs, what would you estimate? I would say 40, 35. Yeah, I was going to say 30-something. Uh, really depends. I just, so I think the thing that's blinding me is like how much I don't like the Omira trade. And the more I've thought about it, the less I've liked it. Uh, yeah, I mean, so he had, what, a handful of games last year. The first ones back, he was doing 40% plus CBAs for both of those. And then he had problems and it dropped off again. Um, I would imagine if he'd actually gone okay and continued to progress, they would have actually tried to push him up from 40% rather than pull it back. Monday's gone. Um, so there is definitely more like CBAs available. It's just, yeah, whether they want to put Amira in there a bunch. Uh, yeah, I, like I can't see it below 40% if he's fully healthy. But I don't yeah. see it as being like 70% either. I think it's probably that 40 no. to 55% range. Yeah. Yeah. When he first came back, they sort of gave it a go, but they quickly realized they're probably better off with him not in there as often. Just just how well the other the other mids were going. Um, I don't know. But John probably slots into Mondays, really. So I'd just see it as being the same if he's in the team as 30 to 40. Which, like you said, that's that's more than enough to three thirty k to be a, to be a good pick. So it just comes down to his health, I guess. Um, first and foremost, so got to watch him. Still got to watch him. Can't just completely write him off now. Uh, anyone else? Any? Uh, I think well, we start going like speculative pretty quickly, but I can throw out some names just for watch lists, just in case things change. These are. Uh, like typically a lot of the mid prices in the forward line, if they're not fallen primos like a five, you get a lot of the um, highly touted midfield juniors that have been parked in a forward or half forward role for the junior part of the career. And then they have a chance to break out. The problem is a lot of them are awkwardly priced at 300 K already. And they've got to go basically 90 or near 90 to get some type of value on that. So, I'll throw out names. Please don't laugh. Um, so Ben Hobbs from last year could be one that you look at. Archie Perkins, same thing with a new coach. Who knows what happens with uh, SNN CBAs? Maybe one of these two guys gets a look up. Um, you've got uh, sorry, similar vein of um, new coach. You've got Powell at North, who I think is also like the low three hundred um, price point, who was somewhat out of favour at points last year. So that's someone that you could see come back into the mix. Just uh, I think his groins were. Stuff for a portion of last year. Pal? Mm. TV, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe even more upside. You've got uh, Taron Thomas um, sticking with the North theme who has shown high scoring in the past but was well off the mark last year. What happens under a new coach there? What role does he play? All interesting stuff to figure out. Uh, you've got Connor McDonald. George boy um, from the board. skipping him. Can I just <laughs> add one more thing in for um, Connor McDonald? Go for it. So the number one average for fantasy points in the 2021 draft 
Who was it? Obviously, Nick Dacos. Who yeah, was I remember. Again? I remember. Yeah, I was. I was looking. Connor McDonald. Yeah, that's because I shoved him on my bench at this point last year when the team picker came out. Because I was like, oh yeah, this kid had the. You know, he was up there for the fantasy points. But yeah, I guess it all comes down to role, Jaws, doesn't it? Is he going to get it? Is he pretty much? Is he too much? He's not really. Is he two sixty, two seventy? Um, can he do eighty plus sort of to be worth it? Um, who knows? Who knows? I guess that's going to be the yeah, theme yeah. this preseason. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out. Anyway, continue on scrolling down, JD. Uh, yep. Yeah, so, oh no, I, I've still got more. So, uh, Will Snelling uh, averaged. 80 in 2021. He's priced at 50, so it's 30-point gap if he can kind of get back to his best. You've got uh, Darcy Tucker, who at Freer has scored pretty well in the past. He's now at North as a mature-age player. You think it's the type that they might just throw into the side straight away. I think he's a injured, though, coming into the preseason, but he's definitely underpriced. Uh, I heard a wing roll potentially for Tucker. Which I, like, I don't know if I love enough. Um at 256k, you've got Sam Flanders from Gold Coast, who is another uh, junior that had pretty good numbers. And if he gets time in the midfield, uh, you could see him improve pretty quickly. And then I think from that point on, we're starting to look at the sub 200k mark. Um, was there anyone that I missed that you wanted to talk about, George? No, but there's a few sub 200k players that I think are worth mentioning. Definitely yeah, I think they're the ones worth talking about the most because they're most startable, aren't they? Probably start Horatio yeah. at him. Oh, there's a few. Just, just above that is Oscar Allen. I think it's worth talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Oscar Allen actually scored all right a few years ago um, to open the season. I reckon he was always putting premium numbers up for about six weeks. Um, that being said, uh, West Coast are significantly worse. And he's also coming off injury, so um, probably rolls on will be super great. So um, we'll see how he goes over the preseason, but I think it's highly unlikely that we pick Oscar Allen. And then, yeah, scrolling down a bit, Fantasia. Do you have any thoughts on Fantasia, JD? You went straight past uh, Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody. <laughs> Is he even fit? I heard he's... Uh, no, he's, he's, not, he's not fit. No, no, no. He's uh, running like near the back of most of our um, endurance drills at the moment. But he is in full training, which is a good sign. Uh, and he has scored as much as 75 in the past. And uh, outside of what last year, his durability was fine up until that point. So, you know, like way down the watch list. But hey, there you go, 210. Maybe everyone else falls through. Uh, Fantasia <laughs> is one that actually has scored better than Tipper in the past, mainly because he has really good ability to work up the ground and I thought he was most damaging when he did. He's very good as a small forward as well. He's had a terrible run of injuries and I mean, just looking at preseason photos, his muscle mass hasn't changed at all, which I guess is a bit hard as a small forward. But at the same time, if you're really injury prone, you probably need to do some body work to get you into more durable state. And that just doesn't seem to be the case. So I think he's good value at his price, but it's just the uh, durability risk on, on Fantasia is really high. Yep. Next one, probably Toby McLean. McLean. Yeah, yeah. give to George. Aaron I mean, Francis. it's a dog, so. Aaron Francis. Aaron Francis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we can chat what France do you got? if you want to. What do you got? So I expect they want his, to revitalize his career as a defender. Yes, that's right. Can I he, picked him up as a. Defender? 
Yeah. So um, Francis, it was like one of the, you, you know, utility problems where you don't know the best position, but he's ultimately he's, best um, attributes was his ability to read play and intercept marking. Um, so like better suited to a defender than anything else. Probably like that third fall off type. Um, probably uh, like McCartan, what they did with him. Like that's the same type of thing you could expect for Francis. The problem is McCartan's already ahead of him. I was going to so say, you, who's he playing ahead of? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so he could be a really good pick if injuries give him opportunity to play. But I suspect he is depth for them at round one. They got the, he's you know, big and then as well. Mm. He's um, got to be injury. Biggest way. weakness is probably his endurance base. Um, so he said, I think in the preseason that the Swans program is uh, much better than Essendon's when it comes to running and fitness, and like the standards are higher, uh, which is sad for me, but unsurprising given the reviews and what happened last year. Uh, also a bit rich coming from Francis because he's struggled to get himself and have the discipline to do that. So Swans could definitely be the club to turn around. Um, uh, and Francis could be a very good defender if he gets that role. But yeah, this is like deep cuts. This is yeah, big, yeah. big wait list. The more obvious one, Toby McLean. <laughs> yeah. Much more obvious, so... I guess there's just a, yeah, there's a, there's obviously clip. I mean, not even a path. He was getting some mid time at the end of last season. So, um, provided, you know, he, he has a good preseason himself. I don't see that changing. Um, he doesn't need a hell of a lot to be worth it at the price. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's too much to be said really with him. He, he's averaged well in the past. Remember we had him in our forward lines maybe five years ago at buddy or, you know, four to 500K he was back then. So um, he's definitely a capable type. Just, again, had a little bit of unlucky run uh, with injuries and, and his knee. So, yep, it's pretty obvious. Um, anything else? Probably not. <laughs> I just realized there is one other mid-pricer that we left off and Saints fans are going to kill me if I don't um, mention Win Hager at like 266K. So if he gets oh, unleashed yeah. as a proper midfielder and isn't tagging any more than that's one you could watch. Sorry, let's go back. Seb uh, would say so. something. Yeah, go, yeah, George. Yeah. What, what more on, Toby? Um, not really. I think even if I play him low CBA, he's high half forward. Um, I think he can still find the ball. He's got a good endurance break base and tackles a lot. So at 178k, it's not really any downside. So yeah, yeah, chuck him in and move on. You got Ben King just under him. Yeah, I mentioned this looking at Ben King's numbers. They are atrocious from when he last <laughs> played. There was a five-game stretch where he scored under, under 25 four times out of five weeks. Can you imagine if you Ben King is your F6 and he drops 25 two weeks in a row? I'd lose it. There's no way. Like, like, it's, he's a bit too expensive for the bench. I think last year I had Rochelle on the bench and it probably wasn't the right play. Um, but yeah, I don't really want this this on the field. No, it's like no, one you pick and, and loop or something because obviously big scores are in him and, and that's all he'll need to make cash, right? It's probably two big scores, kind of like Kerno last year, although he obviously had a lot more of them. But yeah, I know, well, it is a bit iffy. 70 in the past. King, King's yeah. in like the 40s or 50s. Or yeah, yeah. Wow. It doesn't do Hold as on. much. Hold on. There is another play we can look at to establish what, King might have been scoring in a better side if he'd continued to develop. 
And mm. it turns out he's got a twin brother that makes <laughs> comparisons very easy, who averaged 69 last year and in round five was priced at 424K. So, yes, I totally agree that his history is not great, but he was playing in a bad Gold Coast side where he was the only forward and was playing as the number one, which is a really tough situation to be in. The midfield's a lot better. They've got wits back. They've got other forward options this year. Uh, he's another year older and bigger, but he has been out of the game for a year and he is a key forward returning off of ACL, which is some pretty scary stuff. I mean, I, I think just looking at his past stats doesn't tell the full story and he can easily outperform those this year. Uh, but he's also not a lock. Like, he, I, I think like McLean is the more obvious Depends option. how many cheaper rookies might come up. We don't yeah. really know. But yeah. I think, like, George is right. He's not scared, but not someone you want to feel too much early. But um, I'd be fine if he was one of the only options to have him on the bench and loop him or whatever. If Not that you would... You would start so, a loop, but maybe a little yeah. bit of a test here. So let's let's compare him to this year's rookies because Humphrey and uh, Mateus are both around similar price. If those two were named round one for their sides, maybe they're named on the ball, maybe they're named it forward. Like, would you pick either of those over King? If no, like... maybe Philip Hooker's looks good. Yeah. Well, okay. There's a clear, obvious one here, actually. If you've been doing your big footy research, <laughs> and that is Josh Bruce at 161k, is playing as a defender. So our resident dog supporter, Mr. Friends, was saying today. Um, so they got Gardner and Liam, Liam Jones, Jones back, key backs, and Keith yep. fell out of favour. They were dropping him last year, so Bruce might take Keith's spot, and we'll get an intercepting defender for 161k. But you know, if some bugs, see how it goes. The- Mate, if he's playing and that's his role, then yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Just obviously depends if he can nail that down in the team. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. They've got a lot of forwards now. So, <laughs> and he, he was back off his own ACR, right? So, he's mm-hmm. obviously had to find a spot. But a few interesting ones, isn't there? Anyone else? Uh, uh, there's three rookies? more that I had listed. So, Asava Radicalia, 174k. Also was someone that was moved back to play more of a defender role last year for the Cats. The big question would be, can he crack the side this year in a defender spot? There wasn't any retirement, so it seems pretty hard. But once again, it's a little bit like Francis. Maybe if injuries and whatnot happen, someone you could look at. Or if some of these other options don't pan out. Uh, Cunningham for Carlton uh, is one I've got written down. Like, uh, don't love it, but he's there. And then um, just to round out, uh, Corbett for Frio, he's uh, got picked up, should probably play games, uh, 163K. Like, I think there are better options we pointed out, but just one for the list. Yep. Yeah, there's Lockie Fogarty there too. I remember him get, having a good start. Was it last? Was it 2021? He had like, yeah, look, he, Lockie Fogarty went 80, 90, then 163 and got himself up. Well, he was already 300K then. But look, anyway, I don't know if he's best 22 anymore um, based off last year. So anyway, um there's a lot. There's a lot there. Obviously, we've got to do a lot of monitoring over the preseason, which which we all will be doing. Um, that, that is definitely the, the most fun part of the year. But uh, I guess that'll that'll wrap it up, boys. Anything else you want to say before we go? Just quickly, I think we can see a lot of names hit up are potentially picks for us in the forward line that are you know like below two hundred k. 
um, which makes it very hard to fit, which means we might end up with like a Taranto in the midfield or something like that. Who knows? Um, but I'm not really seeing like a scroll 200k below in the defenders. And like I see Kenner and Goda and then rookies are whatever, but I see more cheaper, more likely that we get more forward options than defenders. So something to consider. Um, it's like it's hard to, you know, do you load up in the defense knowing that there's more value in the forward line? That's something to consider, but that makes you paying up for like your doggies or whatever in defense. So uh, something to think about, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a waiting game. See who pops up for the next two months. I know what you mean, because then there's also obviously those three premiums we want to start in the forward line and maybe even a fourth. But then if there's a lot of good cheaper options, you obviously can't do that. So um, yeah, balancing act. But it is way too early for that. JD, anything you've got to say before we go? Yeah, there's one thing I was thinking about as we we're just going through the teams right at the start is, uh, so one thing we were trying to figure out is like what you want your midfielders to average. It's like part of the challenge here. So it used to be 105 plus was great. That was a top eight score. Uh, So we got seven that went above 115 last year. So the question here is like what, if you were, picking a M8 in your starting side, would you be happy with the 110 or are you aiming for 115s across the board? I guess you're aiming for 115s now. I even go further. It's 13 that went 110, basically still 109.8. Like, it's crazy now. It, it is, is very crazy. Um, so if you pick if you pick Tom Mitchell or like uh, Green or LDU, any of these guys that are priced basically low 90s and they go 110, like, is this a bad pick? It's 17, 15 to 20 points of value maybe in some cases, but like, is it a good pick or a bad pick? I think you can get away with 110 a year, M8, especially if you're paying 520 or whatever it is. So what if you started two of them? <laughs> well, then you're like, you're forgoing, because you didn't, like that's not including Jack Steele, those seven plays that went 115 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. hopefully some sort of bounce back there. Yeah. So, I mean, um, Crips without injuries could have been up there. Um, yeah. Merit, merit post buy. Um, that, that still up there. Me. That's something I want to jump on as soon as he gets to the right price. Brayshaw had patches and then Petraka was like a 112, but he had the knee problems. He could have gone 115 plus as well. Like there's there's lots that you could have written a narrative where you say like actually they get there. Throw in Walsh if he gets fully fit. Yeah, which... Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. The prices and the in the game now is just uh, it has changed quite quite a lot, uh, and the salary cap hasn't. But of course, the trades have. So, um, I mean, as far as we're aware, we believe it's all sort of all the same. Um, Thirty-five trades and, and the the boosts. Um, one thing we probably will need clarity on is that these new buys, which we didn't mention at all so far on the pod, but. With, you know, just yeah. two teams having the buy in, in the fourth round. Uh, obviously, we need to know whether that's going to be best 18 or 22. And with it being Gold Coast and Geelong, you know, that'll that'll affect Stewart, you know, Took, probably the main two from there. Uh, whether we start them or sort of wait until their buy ends up. But, yeah, what do you think? He seems just going to say best 22 and it's sort of going to render them, you know, uh, you have to think about it. Do you really want to pick them? Mm. I can't remember what it was when they had the Port Gold Coast China game. China game, yeah. I think it was um, still best 18. Or maybe it was best 20. Don't I know. think um, 
I can't remember, but they'll release the rules, I reckon. On, Someone um, out there will tell us in the comments. Free, free picker launch, I think. Yeah. It is It is pretty challenging because having the players in that buy in your team already like isn't the end of the world because you, you're going to easily field 18. But if you then don't have any trade targets the week after because you've already got the only two players worth owning in, say, Stuart and Took, you know, that assumes like Wits isn't a good pick or whatever like that, then that does actually put you in a pretty tough position because you basically missed out on some points, maybe 50 points in that round one by having them both uh, not play. And then you haven't picked up any by having better trade targets on the... Yeah, so it's like, it is it is awkward. Well, that's the uh, thing. If it's best 18, they're probably still fine to pick because like you said, you're mm-hmm. going to have 18 play. But if it's not changing and it's still best 22, they're probably not they're, good to yeah, start because you're down worse. a primo. So, yeah, Ooh. I mean, hopefully, uh, Supercoach will let us know before the season, but... They will. They will. It'll be, it'll they be will. in the rules. Yeah. It'll be in the rules. Yeah. yeah. So, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Good first discussion, boys. Uh, that'll be um, probably our uh, last podcast, or first and last, sort of for the end of this year until after Christmas and the New Year. So, um, as we said at the beginning of the pod with the uh, our plans for 2023, do give us some feedback down below or in the Discord. Um, but yeah, anything else uh, finally uh, before we do leave? George, if you got uh, anything to say about that? Not really. Um, Fix your internet, sorry about mate. The technical difficulty. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm not too upset because uh, the hairline can stay hidden for a bit longer. So <laughs> that's a positive. But anyway. It still um, wasn't yeah, even but... not too great on your phone, mate. I don't know what's going on. All right. Uh, Thanks for, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, and we'll see you guys next year. Bye.